The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. That's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here, and we're going for a ride. With the Butcher Babies. That's right. Heidi Shepard and Carla Harvey are here with us. They've got a new album out, Take It Like a Man, and a tour starting next Tuesday in Philadelphia with Cradle of Filth. Plus, they got some pretty crazy stories about being, about life on the road. Truck stop showers, losing their passports in England. Actually, they were stolen. I know because uh, we were there. Touring in their own RV, meeting Janet Jackson, and what it's like being two females in the male-dominated world of heavy metal. We'll talk about the early Butcher Baby shows that feature the gimmicks like the blood, uh, the microphones made out of uh, butcher knives, which was cool, and why Heidi and Carla gave up the electrical tape on the nipples look, which they did as a tribute to the legendary Plasmatics frontwoman Wendy O. Williams. I knew that from the start. If you don't know who Wendy O. Williams is, uh, you will by the time this podcast is over. Go check her out on YouTube and go check us out on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. You'll want to subscribe once you finish listening to the butcher babies on talk is jericho you're never going to want to miss an episode and if you subscribe you never will and also please leave talk is jericho a five-star rating and a comment or two i was looking at the itunes uh, charts the other day and we were 150 uh of the top uh, on the list of top podcasts which is probably about two million podcasts so to be 150 isn't bad but let's keep that moving go on to itunes check us out give us a five-star rating and uh, subscribe to Talk is Jericho. Um, Lots of stuff going on this week. Uh, Crazy how many people have passed away in the last week. I mean, Lemmy passed away at the end of 2015. But since then, I mean, David Bowie died. Uh, How about Celine Dion's husband? And then her brother dies a couple days later. Uh, Dan Haggerty, Grizzly Adams, uh, Alan Rickman, of course, from Die Hard, from Dogma. Um, Natalie Cole passed away i mean just all these people dying um uh in 2016 so rest in peace to all of them and uh cancer cancer is a bitch man so go get checked up make sure you get checked up we don't want to lose uh any more people to cancer so early on in this year but once again rest in peace to david bowie 
uh, one of the all-time greats and one of the all-time legends in rock and roll, right up there with you know McCartney and Elton John and, and Mick and Keith and, and all those type of guys. I think the reason why people have kind of forgotten about Bowie over the last 10 years and don't really talk about him uh, as far as being completely legendary is because he hasn't really done much. And um, he's kind of keeping a low profile, except for the last couple of years, put out a couple of records. And then we found out that he, he had cancer that, that eventually killed him for 18 months. And nobody knew. How do you keep that secret in this day and age that you had cancer for 18 months uh, for a guy as huge as Bowie? But that just shows what kind of a trusted team that he had around him. So uh, go back and, and check out the Let's Dance record with Stevie Ray Vaughan on guitar. You might not know that Stevie Ray played guitar on that whole album. Almost played on the tour, but they couldn't work it out. But yeah, you can just hear those amazing leads on Less Dance. You forgot how huge of a record Less Dance was. Modern Love, uh, Cat People, China Girl. So uh, we're never going to forget David Bowie. I was just watching him on Live Aid. He was uh, amazing on that. He also wrote All the Young Dudes, which is a, a great tune that he did not sing on. He wrote it, though. Actually, I think he sang backgrounds on it, but that was by Mott the Hoople. So uh, lots of tributes, lots of stuff going on. And like I said, we will never forget all of those people that have passed away. Uh, but talking about something that's very much alive is the rumor, which is not so much a rumor anymore, that the Bullet Club has signed with the WWE. And the Bullet Club, of course, is a huge faction from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And not the entire club is coming, but four of the main members. I'm talking about Doc Gallows. I'm talking about Carl Anderson. I'm talking about Shinsuke Nakamura, who's probably one of the best workers in Japan right now. And, of course, leading the way, AJ Styles, a Talk is Jericho alumni, who uh, is coming to the WWE, finally. I think when he left TNA, there wasn't a lot of interest in AJ because of his age, maybe. And then he went and just completely kicked ass all across the world, and more specifically in Japan, where he became the uh, New Japan World Champion. They're all coming to the WWE en masse. So the question is now, what do you do with them when they get here? Okay, do you take them to NXT first? Uh, or take them straight to the main roster. Now, I know WWE's tradition now is to have the guys go to NXT first and kind of cut their teeth and learn. I think that's the wrong move at this point. I think it's better to have them uh, enter straight into into the main roster, straight into the WWE. Now, maybe they're going to be hooked up with Finn Balor. I've heard rumors that they're going to be the Balor Club. That's fine. Have them all debut together in the WWE because I think it's going to lose a little bit of the impact and a little bit of the surprise if they go to NXT. And plus a lot of people don't know who they are. I mean, as crazy as it seems guys, not everybody reads the internet, not everybody goes online to find out what's going on. A lot of people just watch the show and check it out. And I think that's one of the big things is that people won't know who these guys are. And it's going to make a big impact when you get these five basically, quote unquote, nobodies, no names, unknowns, who are going to come in and just be killing it at the highest of levels, both in work rate, personality, and of course, together as a group. Let's think of the groups that have come to the WWE over the years that, that did great right off the bat. Radicals pops to mind. Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn. They brought them in as a team, as a group, and they ran roughshod for a while. I think the best example of that uh, in the recent times is, is Nexus. When you had Wade Barrett and Ryback, who was Skip Sheffield at the time. Um, what's his name? PJ, Justin Gabriel. All those guys came in as a big group, as a big gang. Of course, don't forget about Daniel Bryan. And uh, dominated. And they came and they destroyed John Cena. They tore apart the ring and they made such an impact. 
I think that the best way to take advantage of the Bullet Club slash Balor Club slash whatever they're going to call them is to have them come in on mass and just completely destroy on the way to WrestleMania. It'll create a buzz um, amongst hardcore, uh, smart fans, smart marks, if you will. That's all of us. I'm a smart mark. And also creating a buzz about people who have no idea who they are. Who is this Balor Club? Who is this Finn Balor? Who is this AJ Styles? You know, that, that that's one way of doing things. Another way is having Finn and AJ in the same team. That might be too much because they're both great workers and they both uh, have great characters and both know exactly who they are. So right now it's a good problem to have. And how do you debut these guys all at once to make the, the biggest impact? I think it's a huge blow to New Japan. I think they will probably, you know, everyone rebounds, but it just goes to show that you have to have people locked into contracts because the WWE is always out there like a big, giant, angry shark that, uh, you know, sees a school of fish and they're going to eat, eat it away. You know, you got to be careful when you have talent because the WWE is out there and they're aggressive. They're signing a lot of different people from a lot of different areas because now it's not just about signing uh, talent and, and just having them wait. They can go down to NXT and be working in front of you know sold-out crowds for the next year, for the next two years. Some arena crowds, as we saw at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, as we're going to see this year in Dallas at WrestleMania, all these other places. So WWE will be signing as many people as they can, I think. They just signed La Sombra from Mexico, a huge star there. They're just picking whoever they want. And, of course, everybody wants to go to WWE. You can't blame them. It's the biggest show in town. You know, It's not the only show in town, but it's the biggest show in town. And for guys that, you know, a guy like AJ or Carl or, or, or Gallows, they're guys that got families here in the States. You don't want to be working in Japan all the time. It was fun to work in Japan for me when I was in my 20s. I had no... Um, no uh, responsibilities, nothing to tie me down. You could go to Japan for you know four weeks and not care. You know you got you know girls over there. You just you got your friends over there. You don't have to worry about it. Once you get married and have kids, I don't want to go to Japan for four weeks. You know I I I I, I would rather not. So I would rather work for. Uh, a company that's based in the States where I can go home every week. You're gone three, four days a week, but you're still home. So I think a guy like AJ Styles, plus the fact he's in his, his mid-30s, maybe even late-30s at this point, it was a no-brainer for him to end up in the WWE, and it was a no-brainer for the WWE to sign him. And I think it's very, very exciting to uh, have these guys coming in. Of course, the other thing, the uh, the, the X factor is is Nakamura. Huge in Japan, but as we know... Coming from Japan to the United States is a different world. How will he blend in? You know, name name one Japanese star that really made a mark for himself in the States recently. I can think of Tajiri. That's it. Uh, I know uh, Hideo Itami is down in the NXT right now. Haven't seen much of him. Came down and got hurt. So that Nakamura's here. He could be a main event in the Tokyo Dome and draw 12 people to the armory here in... Uh, in, in the States, no one knows who he is. How will he acclimate his style to WWE style? How will he acclimate his character to uh, WWE uh, characters, to the WWE audience, the WWE universe? My biggest advice to him, same advice to Sombra. Uh, it was my same advice to Sin Cara, the original, before he, he left town. Learn English. You have to learn English if you want to make it in this country as, as a performer, as a wrestler in show business. It's the number one most important thing. So Nakamura, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, who doesn't, 
learn English. You should be on that uh, uh, Rosemary Stone, who is the cousin of Rosetta Stone, who really invented the uh, linguistic tapes. Go learn English. If you're coming from a foreign country, learn English. I didn't learn English. Uh, sorry, I didn't learn Japanese when I was in Japan. I tried very, very hard, but it wasn't as dependent on promos and character uh, outside of the ring as it is here in the WWE. I learned how to read Japanese, so at least I could go into a restaurant, order off the menu, or I could read uh, Burn Magazine, Japanese rock magazines, but that's that was just my personal choice. I tried to learn how to speak uh, Japanese, but it was very, very difficult. But like I said, if you want to uh, learn... And if you want to, um, you know, uh, really, really make it in this country, you have to learn English. So that will endear you to the fans and it will endear you to the boss and endear you to your coworkers. So all people coming in, learn English. Nakamura, learn English. La Sombra, learn English. Thankfully, AJ knows English already. So does Carl Anderson and so does Doc Gallows. When will they arrive? When will they arrive in the WWE is the question. Um... I know when the Butcher Babies are going to arrive on Talk is Jericho, and that's coming up very, very soon. Uh, and one of the reasons why I'm able to have the Butcher Babies on this podcast, why I'm able to talk to you and give advice to Nakamura about how he should speak English, is because of my great sponsors. And my favorite one right now, DDP Yoga, and the DDP Yoga Now app, which is an incredible app. I'm going to use it later on. All of DDP's workouts on your phone, on your device. You don't have to worry about DVDs. You don't have to worry about one, uh, you know, the same workout over and over again. It changes constantly. It's a living, breathing app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you need to. It's the perfect time, okay? Uh, that's how I do my DDP yoga workouts, right on my phone on the app, okay? Uh, the workouts are all on the app, plus you get access to live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. Very, very rad. You guys know how much I believe in DDP Yoga, how much it's helped me, how much it's kept me in tip-top shape to be able to go into the ring and, and do what I do, uh, still at the highest level. Uh, and you know my DDP Yoga story, how it saved my career, and um, I want to share that with you, okay? DDP is going to help you the same way it helped me and give you a great deal in the process. To find out about it, go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, and when you purchase DDP Yoga for yourself, you'll also get three free months of the ddp yoga now app i said three one two three and it's free that means you have to pay anything it means you get the app for free all right you get it and it is an incredible app like i said you get uh, so much more than just access to the ddp yoga yoga workouts which are constantly changing by the way you also get recipes access to uh, ddp's cooking shows and tools to help you track your progress plus you can earn rewards uh, through the app to redeem for some cool prizes and DDP yoga merch. The more workouts you do, the more pr uh, points you get and the more prizes you get. Uh, if it's motivation you need to get started, then you can also check out all the amazing inspirational videos that Dallas and his crew put together. You can see all of these transformation video stories at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You won't believe the success stories, but you can believe it because I am one of those success stories. Get started on DDP yoga today. It's one of the best decisions you can make for your health. Take advantage of this special offer, you sexy beast, you. Get the lowest price for DDP Yoga and three free months of access to the DDP Yoga Now app by going to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You're going to love it, but don't just take my word for it. Read the incredible reviews it's getting for both iOS and Android. Go read them. Don't miss out on the exclusive DDP Yoga offer at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Once again, the best price on DDP Yoga plus three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app. Change your life. Get 
the best shape of your life and go do it today. DDPyoga.com slash Jericho. Daddy. This, this is Talk is Jericho. So I feel really bad because I've been I'm super tardy. There's a famous Van Halen song. He goes, I don't feel tardy. I feel really tardy right now. (laughs) And you are really tardy. Do you want us to tell you how tardy you are? Tell me. You were an hour and a half late for our date. Hour and a half late for hour a date. Hour and a half late. See, but usually it's the you. girls that, that make the guys wait. So I decided to make you guys wait. Since <laughs> so there's see what two it's of like. us, right, so you made it double whammy long. for you. So we're here with uh, with Carla and Heidi from uh, Butcher Babies. And I'm excited to do this interview with you because I feel like in a lot of ways that our bands are kind of parallel. Yeah. Because we kind of have met each other at times throughout the growth of the bands over the last five years or so. Absolutely. And I remember the first time I saw you guys was in Vegas at Uproar. It was like a 48-hour festival oh, or something. Oh, yeah. 48-hour festival, yeah. We were uh, we played the, the festival, but we also did the after party with Still Panther. That was really fun. Right, and there was... Because we... Did an after party too? I think you. I think the we hard were rock all or on something, it. or maybe we're all at it. Maybe, yeah. I don't remember, but I do remember that they were saying uh, uh, Josta, the, you know, yeah. Josta, a bunch mm-hmm. of babies. You got to see these guys, a bunch of babies. So I went and watched you guys, and it was just like this crazy, like visual <laughs> attack. And I remember, obviously. Um, I know what you, th- you think I'm going to say, but I'm not going to even say that. I'm just saying what I remember was your mic stands that were like bloody knives. Are your mic? Yeah, our microphones were knives. Microphones yeah. were knives. We went through that era where. The you, knifing era. The knifing era. <laughs> we, I still have those in my closet, by the way. <laughs> that would be a great name for a horror movie, The Knifing. The Knifing. That would be so killer, The Knifing. Or maybe a new but album then, name. Uh, the, <laughs> keep in mind, B-side per chance. <laughs> there we go. So. But, you, but, but the band has grown so much since then, and that was, I think, back in 2011, maybe, or something I like think uh, uh, late 2010 is when that was, and we were, you know, we'd been a band for about a year and a half at that point, and for us, it was really cool kind of the first big thing that we had ever done and you know back then with the whole shock with a wendy o williams you know attire well, butcher and- babies and i knew it from the start that's from a wendy o williams yeah, song exactly. right obviously but it's funny a lot of people don't know that we constantly yeah. have to tell people in interviews and and you know at the merch booth when we're doing signings and you know to kids they don't know a lot of people know who she was and what mm-hmm. she did for for women in in metal and for for metal music period so but we don't mind you know Reiterating where we got the name from, it's just but funny. She wasn't really but, super popular where where mainstream would know. No, but she was a female who came out and did what she wanted when everyone would tell her, "No, you can't sound like that. You can't dress like that. Right. Uh, you can't do metal. Yeah, <laughs> who are you to do any of this?" And she went out and and made. She created a stand, and she really just did what she wanted to do and paved the way for girls like us and girls in metal in general. So we really wanted to, you know, honor her name through the band's name and the original tire and you know we couldn't blow up cars on stage we taped nine star microphones say, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I, I grew up in Canada and there's this show called SCTV it was like a, a sketch comedy show yeah. but they went to this phase where they'd have a musical act and Wendy O. Williams was on and that's why I knew her from since I was probably 11 or 10 or whatever it was and she did this stunt where there was and I might not be saying this verbatim, but in my mind's eye, there was a helicopter with a rope ladder, and she drove a, a motorcycle off a cliff and jumped onto the rope ladder that was on the helicopter. Wow. Some that seems of, like something she right? would do. We were yeah. planning that for next tour, and now I feel like crap because well, it's already been done. Oh, we'll just edit this out. Sorry. <laughs> but even that's what I said, you know, talking about, like, even how she put the, the nipple tape on, that was your guys' original gimmick. Yeah. Obviously, almost like a homage slash ripped off completely from Wendy, but which I saw that from the start, of course. 
point of it. Yeah, yeah that was course. the point. And the blood and everything. It was it was definitely an homage to our first lady. Yeah, the and if you know who... Wendy, you'd see that and go, okay, I get it. But, of course, when you guys first come out, they're probably thinking, what is this? Because you guys got your boobs hanging out and bloody <laughs> knives. And I mean, seriously, as, as you're talking about girls in rock and roll to begin with, you're automatically going to be judged because you're women. Well, right? naturally. <laughs> and that's just kind of the way that – because metal's a very – Guy driven. Yeah, it's a boys club. A boys club, right? Mm-hmm. So, what was your guys' mindset when when you when you put this all together? Well, when we started this band. You know, we just wanted to have some fun mm-hmm. and play some some punk metal on the Sunset Strip with our best friends, and uh, you know, see what would happen. We had no idea that you know, five six years later, we'd be touring the world. You know, playing in front of fifty thousand people at Hellfest in France. We we honestly didn't and know. Download, but and the intention, others. and I think the intention should always be when you start playing music is just to have fun with it and, and see what happens just, and yeah. um, you know I think people took notice because we were different you know we shook up the scene a little bit especially here in LA I mean our early shows they were they were always packed and you know people wanted to see what the hell was going on with us and and uh, we really made a name for ourselves by being different and um, and we yes. continue to be different you know for for us in that moment it was it was fun we were hoping to you know like she said play some local fun shows but we also had a message our entire lives people you know how we look they push us into a corner they pigeonhole us sure. to, to what you're supposed to be I, I i was approached to cut my hair i had done a lot of a lot of different vocal things around town and someone approached me you cut your hair you don't wear makeup we're going to make you 19 years old and you're going to be a country music artist Really? And I was like, absolutely not. That's not, no, mm-hmm. I would, I would never, that's not me. I would not do that. That would be fake to me. And I've had the same thing with me because I'm half black people. Oh, you should do R and B, something like that. That'd be good for you. <laughs> right. No way. Jeez, thanks, Mr. Racism. <laughs> and, you know, I you think. You want to play bass too? <laughs> Actually, I do. <laughs> I do want to oh, play the bass, man. man. And I, I do sing country. <laughs> no. See, for us, it, we kind of had that message. Whereas, you know, don't push us into a corner of what we're supposed to look like what we're supposed to sound like dress like all of that everything that wendy fought for at the beginning and so we definitely had that message going into it kind of like a big you know you to the cookie cutter music industry that really pushes women into certain directions and um and i think that message was heard loud and clear obviously (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's interesting too because once again i talk about the parallels between fozzie and butcher babies and that we've had to work twice as hard to get people's Mm -hmm. respect in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. i'm in the band Mm -hmm. and it's like oh is this a wrestling thing or is this some kind of a vanity project or novelty thing I'm sure you guys went through the same thing. Oh, is this just two hot chicks getting together? Is this a novelty? Yeah. And you're pushing it in their face and saying, this is the real deal. But when you when you have to work twice as hard to get that respect, you have people's respect for life. I think yeah. so. And I think that doing that, putting that work in, working twice as hard is just, it, that's who we are. And it really fuels our fire having mm-hmm. to do that. And uh, I love that aspect of it, of having to, you know, really go out there and prove something. When we because first, it lights a fire under yeah. us. When we first met, I think that's why we connected so well. You know, we met um, almost, what, eight, nine years ago? almost a decade ago, yeah. you know, um, playing in a cover band together. And, um, Did you guys just show up one day. Uh, she was already she was in this in band, band and, and I tried out for this band. She was already a part of and, MySpace uh, was in the MySpace <laughs> days. I saw an ad for a band and they needed another girl. And I was like, I want to be in that band. And, uh, it was like an instant connection because 
this was another a woman who shared the same ambition and drive as I did. And most of the women that I knew at the time were more interested in what their boyfriends were doing than what they could do with their own life. And, and definitely when it came to music, I didn't have any other female friends that were as ambitious as I was. So, um, you know, I think it was fate, you know, coming to L.A. We both I'm from Detroit. She's from Provo, Utah. We both came here with this dream to do music. And, you know, we, we kind of came on our own and, and paved our little way on our own. And then we met each other and it was fate. And this thing that we've built is just it's Isn't insane. It funny how, it's crazy how, how life works out. I always love the stories of how two people meet. Like you come from Utah, you come from, from Detroit. And you meet to you both want to be in a band, and just the concept of two girls singing, which we've never had, two front women mm -hmm. in a band. I can't think of another band that has that. Well, our old band had five, so five I front think women. We <laughs> scaled it down With quite a, a band? bit. It, yes, okay. there were nine people on stage. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> I won't even give you the name of it because it's you won't so even terrible. This. You don't but even we used see to it. do. We used to do. Um, you know, Monday nights, uh, Still Panther was always at either Key Club or uh, uh, House of Blues. Yeah. We were at the Roxy on Monday nights. And at, oh, like at, every Monday? We, we, actually, we, had, we had residencies all around the town. It, it, was, really was, it was a pretty cool time, you know, looking back and um, not being, uh, you know, in a bad place with it anymore. It was a cool time in our lives because we were doing residencies at the Viper Room and the Roxy and um, these iconic clubs in the Sunset Strip, you know, and that's how uh, that's how Still Panther started out. Sure. And uh, it was it was a really cool time in our lives. Now again, what was, was the name of the band? No, no. you're not. Oh. Nope. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, you'll probably be able to figure base. it out. But I mean, I remember one time uh, we would we did the whole blood thing in that band, too. And we would basically tar and feather ourselves. Nice. There was a time where we had pillows that we had ripped open at the Viper Room. <laughs> after we doused ourselves in blood and the whole entire viper room was covered in feathers and they told us we couldn't come back yeah. there was feathers. luckily they brought us back as butcher babies much yeah. later that's why you don't want to tell them yeah. the <laughs> there were feathers just blowing down the sunset strip yeah it was pretty cool i remember <laughs> opening the door and it's just like feathers everywhere right a beret of feathers <laughs> wow but see, and that's that's what i'm talking about but so you guys have this vision and you had it from the start mm -hmm. in wanting to be in a band and doing the the, the classic move to la to find your famous fortune and then you find each other yeah. so you, you were in a you were in a band with five front women how did you pare it down to just you two guys well like i said it was it all boiled down to that connection that we had the other girls were you know nice girls but they didn't have that spark that desire to want to take it to the to another level they liked going up on stage once a week and singing someone else's lyrics mm. we wanted to write our own music we wanted to take it a step further and we wanted to also, um, you know, we loved metal. So we wanted to play metal, not punk rock. Like yeah, we I mean, it, it just worked with the two of us. We connected on the ideas that we had and the love for metal that we had. And it, there came a point where we just decided, you know what, let's just let's go for it. Let's mm. do something original. Let's 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 make a metal band. And when we decided to do that. When we left that band, I think the girls still hate us. Oh, okay. And and I, I know one of them, we reconnected and everything's cool, but those girls were not happy about that and not happy about what we created with Butcher Babies. Hmm. And um, so it was a little trying, but when we started it, we had talked to different you know, people around town saying, we're going to do a metal band. 
no one believed us mm. <laughs> everyone's like no you can't do metal no no <laughs> how about indie rock or how about this and well that's what you would think right especially with the way you guys with the guy, <laughs> even the way you look right it's oh indie rock vibe you know let's do that sort of thing but the, but your vocals are so crazy like so heavy you would never expect that coming from you guys thank you you know what I mean it's like almost <laughs> you know uh, Angela from Arch Enemy had that same vibe I'm not sure if their new singer does but, but you no, just you would look never at, you just look at this girl and it's like you see a, she's a pinup girl and then she's singing it's like you don't put two and two together and you guys have that vibe too and I think that that's something that's really cool and special. I'm, I, people always say, well, you don't look like you're supposed to like metal. I just don't know what a girl metal head is supposed to look like. I don't know what a guy metal head is supposed that's to look thing, like That's the thing. Like, I thought matter, metal right? has a sound, not really a look. That's a good but, call. But, um, yeah, I mean, for us, it, it's... But I love guys, that factor of getting getting up there and people are like, oh, these two little girls. And I sound like a cheerleader when I talk. But when we get like up there whatever. and we scream, <laughs> when we get up there and we scream, people are just kind of taken back and don't really know what to think. There are sometimes that the audience would just stare at us and we would get so freaked out, you know, as we were playing, like, what do they hate us? Do they not like us? What's going on? And then afterwards, we do a meet and greet, and they say this was the best thing we've ever seen in our lives. And then we realize that sometimes, sometimes the audiences were just too shocked mm-hmm. by what we were doing to really, you know, like process it. Now you know? it's different. Now it's way different. I, I find too that people uh, listen with their eyes at a show. Oh they, yeah, they watch, and maybe not even listening to processing the exact you know music if you're hitting a clam note or guitar or whatever it doesn't really matter they're watching exactly. the show and the spectacle and you guys are obviously super cognizant of that because yeah. your show looks great well that's what we always wanted to with this band the show has always been an important part of rock and roll it, it lends to the you know escapism of music right you people want to see a show they want to see rock stars they want icons like we used to have that back in the day you know all everyone that you saw playing music was like a caricature kind of person you know whether it was slash in his hat or you know um it's anybody dio these people they were all characters the guys in motley crew and the shows they put on like everybody and people people want that and they want to see a performance and uh you know there's a lot of uh you know the 2000s came around and i don't think there's a lot of really boring bands that just kind of stood there and lifted their shoes Mm -hmm. and wore boring clothes and and, and, you know pajamas and and we always when we started this band we wanted to you know make sure that the performance was always there along with obviously the music is the most important thing um without good songs you don't have anything but the performance is just as important i think the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Now here's something funny, and, and people will speculate and say, like, like why did the Butcher Babies, or, or when was the natural evolution to you know, put shirts on? And get rid of the nipple <laughs> tape. But here's a story, and you guys remember this, and people might not know this. Wolverhampton, England. Oh yes. We did a show with we were just uh, Soil, yep. Fozzie and Butcher Babies. Yep. 
and you guys had your passports and gear and everything stolen. Yes, mm-hmm. that about an hour before the show. Yeah. Oh. So tell crazy. us about that. Like it was there was like a parking garage. It was a parking garage that was supposed to be the green room. And in fact, you guys had your meet and greet going on mm-hmm. while it happened. And we went out to eat and just, you know, stupid me. I should have brought my wallet and I, I had forgotten it and left it in the green room. And we come back and my wallet's gone, her backpack's gone, passports are gone, clothes, makeup. Everything's gone. Electrical tape. <laughs> our our fifty cent wardrobe was gone. No, just everything was gone. And so, yeah, that that night we went up on stage in our pajamas. It was cute. Was, was that the first night? You guys <laughs> Actually, ever I remember I wore I had to wear jeans and a that plasmatics t shirt I have that yeah. night. It was like, and, and it was the I think maybe it was the first time that we had actually worn. I, I think from what I remember, you guys maybe saying or somebody in the band saying it was the first time that you guys ever had worn shirts well i mean we would wear dresses with it open in the front yeah you you could you know you still had let's talk about stupid shit you do when you're 22 yeah it's actually (laughs) bizarre for us to think of it now i think i think we're like oh my god we did that i think i think both of us sometimes are like oh geez that's the evolution of the band though i'm sure when, when you know when pantera I say that with Fozzie too. We started playing covers and having like alter egos. And you look back on it, you're like, that's such a long time ago, like even mentally. Yeah. Or Pantera when they had, you know, sprayed out hair, power metal, (laughs) magic of the night or whatever it was. And, you know, Vinny's wearing makeup and it's like, what? But that's how the band starts and grows to where you got to where you were today. Yeah. I mean, we are, we're proud of it. We came out with the message, but, you know, we, we only did the, the, completely topless with the tape for about six months. Then we wore the dresses with the tape. And then, yeah, that happened in Wolverhampton. And I think that really was the first time that we had actually just gone out normal. <laughs> and it was a great set. It was really Kick fun. Ass, right? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I It wasn't very... It was shortly after that that we decided to just X out the X's mm. completely. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like I said, that's the natural evolution of a band. You look at Motley Crue on Shout at the Devil to Theater of Pain to Girls, Girls, Girls. There's a definite different look every yeah. every album. Yeah, you know? I mean, allow, allow yourself to grow. Sure. Allow yourself to do something different. We're artists. We're creative. There's you know di- different ways and different things that we can do all the time. I mean, a week ago I had bright red hair and it's blonde again. And when you, tomorrow when I came it's going to be like, green. Hey, it's got some blue in there, and <laughs> yeah. she's got purple now. You used yep. to have blue. And it's going to be green tomorrow. So. Yeah. Well, it's fun. You know, it's it's like, fun it's for just... us because we, you know, before um, we had the chance to play music full time, you know, we had other jobs that we couldn't have colored hair. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, we, I, you know, I was a mortician. You can't have brightly colored hair. And we're going to talk about that, that which field. is amazing. By and way. we were both um, did some acting jobs, and you can't really have, you know, brightly colored hair. I was supposed to be hair. like the... the little blonde girl next door in commercials which i was and the country girl as well yeah and uh i couldn't never have crazy colored hair to do commercials so right you weren't allowed to as do soon that. as we started this we're like ah, <laughs> coloring our yes, hair ah, pink, blue red <laughs> orange how did you how hard was it to get for you guys to get your passports back that that uh back at that time oh that it's was an all-day process we went to it was the day of the metal hammer golden god awards mm-hmm. um i believe you were hosting yeah okay yes <laughs> and uh and Early in the day, we had to get to the embassy in London, and we were there all day, and we almost missed the Golden God Awards. <laughs> okay, but it didn't screw you guys up where you like missed gigs or no. missed flights or anything like that? Nothing like that. 
but missing those drinks at that party would have been bad, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but we're talking about you know being on the road in England, and, and I think that was your first tour of England. But now you guys are constantly. I was talking to Carla yesterday. Always on the road. Like every time I look, it's like oh, butcher babies are going with Guar, and they're going within this moment. And they're going here. They're going there. That seems to be your 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 motto is just to be on the road as much as possible. Yeah, that's uh, we have worked our asses off for this dream and we we want to be on the road constantly it's nice to come home for a couple of weeks we've been home for two weeks right now relax you know catch up with your dogs or hang out with other friends but then you you get that itch and you just need to be out playing your music Mm -hmm. and we love being on the road and I think 2016 we're out almost the entire time so it's uh for us touring is everything but that's pretty much for every band now i mean that's how you make well, that's how you make money, money nowadays make so it's kind of like a necessary evil whether you like it or not yeah. you know um I, I think that one thing that we try to do is see different things in different cities that we haven't seen and just make it make it enjoyable you know while you're out there i love being at home to be quite honest yeah. i love being home and having my routine but i love seeing new places and now we have a bus so it's you know it's really you cool were traveling that, in a in a mo- excuse me in a motor we had an, we had an rv that we bought we've always been very ambitious you know um we didn't want to tour in in a van because and and more power to everybody who can get through tours and vans that's great i mean but we um we wanted to buy an rv and we built bunks into it so that we could save money so you actually bought yeah. this and owned it as we, a band yeah, we, we did did you write butcher babies on the side <laughs> no i but think there they, are many other profanities yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but then many dicks are drawn and yeah, we moved yeah, up yeah. to a bandwagon after the, the rv died you know it gets really hard to do an rv all the time it's just not built to, oh, to man, tour excessively we how many different generators yeah. <laughs> did it was it dying like on the side of the road sort of thing were you guys ever stranded from that or no or it would just i mean tires went flat all the time because of all the gear in the back but the hardest thing was the generator going out so it would be you know 100 degrees in atlanta for the mayhem fest and we don't have a generator or power <laughs> yeah. in the rv <laughs> so that was tough so and uh, that, but now we have a bus and it's like it's like a whole new world. Did you it's buy so a bus exciting. now? No, no, yeah, okay. we bought a bus. Yeah, you know, well, I, no, Vinny no. Has one. Vinny bought a bus. Yeah, that's Vinny. Yeah. That's Vinny. It's not us. I wouldn't. So, I thought about that. I wouldn't even want to do that because it'd be no. like buying a house. Exactly. Yeah. As soon as you buy it, everything's going to start breaking down, and you can't just return it to the company. And then every time someone farts in it, you're like, "Hey, you stop it! Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't put a coaster down. Put a coaster yeah, down. Exactly. But like, how, like for me, like, like. Like I have two – well, actually now now only one rule for every show we play is that I have to have a shower mm-hmm. in the yeah. morning. So like whatever – because some of the venues you play don't have showers and they have to get a day room. What is How was it for you guys touring in an RV when part of it you guys have to look good all the time? Like you can't go on stage with a bun. Well, we have truck and- stop showers, you know, when we had to take showers, which we – grew to love I mean it's like, <laughs> like heaven a, yeah, being in there for an hour you know you pay your $12 it was $10 when we first started touring and these jerks have moved up to $12 <laughs> now but you and go in there and it's like your own little world your own little just slice of privacy for an let's hour let's talk this a lot of people don't know you go to like a flying J truck stop and you yeah. can actually go you rent a shower. a shower yeah right. so you go in there there's Oh, a very a terrible towel. It's like a very dry towel. Oh, they give you a towel, yeah. <laughs> they give you a towel, a floor towel, and a washcloth. And, and if you soap, and, yeah. and you, you go in, and it's like your own little hotel room. 
And sometimes if you're nice to the attendant, they'll give you an extra towel. If you say, can I have an extra towel for my hair? It's really long. <laughs> and they'll give it to you. But me and Heidi, we will dye our hair, um, you know, in these truck stops. It'll and... look like someone was murdered. <laughs> yeah, right. Hers is like a smurf where yeah. she's missing. <laughs> smurf ejaculated in the shower. <laughs> yeah. The first time, the first on our first tour, we were in a truck stop and man, the, the radios were going nuts. They said, what do they say? One of them was like, Something about the strippers. There's two strippers up there in the shower area doing their laundry. and well, They were going nuts. And it was just so funny. People were peeking in. And it's like, oh, my God. It's, yeah. I mean, we, that typically happens. Yeah. This last time, actually, this last tour, we were at a truck stop. And I was just standing outside with the driver, just talking. Middle of the day, we're about to leave. And I get a Facebook message from someone He's like, is that you in the truck stop parking lot? I'm like, oh, man, they're on to us. <laughs> they're on to us now. <laughs> but, um, but that's how we survive. Uh, also, just not really caring. We go out on stage and our hair's a mess within three seconds. Mm-hmm. So I don't really do it to the uh, extreme. As long as we have, we have a, a, we always get a, <laughs> every tour, we have a, a mirror from Walmart that we get, you know, one of those $10 stand-up mirrors with me and Heidi get ready like in front of. Like a full-length one? Yeah, or? and we break one every tour. So we've got a thousand years of bad luck <laughs> <laughs> together. So you got that going for um, you. Yeah, and, uh, but, you know, we have our little mirror and our uh, stuff, and it's, it's been pretty easy. You know, that was one thing that I worried about before we started touring. I was like, how is it going to be to get ready to take care of ourselves, to work out, do all these things? And right. it just happens happens very naturally you just learn how to how to do how it to and i think it honestly makes you a, a better person because you learn to live small mm-hmm. you learn how to live out of a suitcase you learn how to get ready fast um and you just learn how to be just a you know i came home after this last tour and looked at all my shit I'm like, i don't well. need any of this <laughs> <laughs> I, I just lived out of a suitcase for four months i don't need this and shit. that's how it goes like when yeah. I, we were just on the road for a month and when you come home, you don't really know what to do. Like, I'm waiting for my tour manager to tell me what time I have yeah, to get yeah. up and, like, what time's dinner at and bus call. And- I read a really cool article about musicians being institutionalized, and it made, like, so much sense. It was a really In cool article. Just – you just – you're so um, – Everything is regimented. Oh, I see. And, and, and just like, and you don't know what to do sometimes when you come home and yeah. you get back into your real life and you look around at your stuff and it's just like, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, it's just a little overwhelming. Right. You know? How do you, how do you uh, step into a real life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you guys are touring in the RV when you're talking about, let's say, going to like Canada or something we like that. We did that. that. In the RV. In the winter. Please, ex- please tell. Oh explain. my God! <laughs> <laughs> All right. From snowy areas. And that was, it was. Detroit. It was. It was the winter. We were out with Marilyn Manson, and uh, you know, you drive the RV yourself, and we trust the boys to do it because I'm not driving. That's through boys' snow. job. Yeah, I'm not driving through the <laughs> Take snow. Take the garbage please. out and drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, here's here's something that. Uh, was really almost hazardous, if you will. Uh, life-changing would be another word for it. But um, we had this GPS that didn't really understand French. Hmm. And, you know, going through the east side of Canada, you get into French territory. We're leaving a show after, you know, it's late, snowing hard. And, you know, Jason's driving and we pull onto the freeway. It says to take the freeway. We pull onto the freeway. We're, we're driving and we see some headlights in the distance. And we're like, oh, this must be on the other side of the freeway. As it came closer, nope, uh, we're on the wrong side Ooh. of the freeway, going the wrong way. 
in the ice and snow. It's there's it's a terrible. semi heading out. You're us. talking planes, trains, and automobiles. This is you're going out. the wrong way. Yes, and. Every, Henry's asleep in the back, but everyone else is in the front. Our manager at the time was with us, and we're just, what do we do? What do we do? And there was this uh, median, this really low like ditch, ditch sort of median thing, yeah. covered with snow, so it looked like you could just go straight through it. So we just start straight through the median. We go out and sink. Whoa. <laughs> Luckily, the semi came and it made its way by us and but we were stuck. Was it honking at you? Like, what the hell are you doing, you I, idiots? I, I don't remember that because I just remember panic. Oh, I'm sure. Widespread panic in the RV. We were about to just get in the head on with this with this us retards going the wrong way on the freeway. Well, yeah. And uh, so we went out and we, we sunk into the median and we were going nowhere. We had to call a tow truck and they had to call a tow truck for them. And I just remember the emergency crew just looking at us like we were the biggest <laughs> idiots they had ever seen. And we were. But yeah, uh, we upgraded to a GPS that speaks all language now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Perfect. So uh, <laughs> we're not running into any of those, hopefully. Isn't it crazy that sort of stuff that happens when you're on the road, you know? Yeah. I mean, just spending so much time actually on the highway itself, the fact that there isn't more accidents from, from, from bands, it really is, we've got guardian angels, I think. Yeah, well, you know, we used to, we drove ourselves for a long time, too. Even we had a bandwagon, which is, the, you know, a mini tour bus for mm. listeners that don't know um, that the bands can drive themselves so it saves you money on a driver and then you know our boys would rotate in and out of the driver's seat but it just you're so exhausted all the time from just playing the shows loading in loading out and doing all this work that takes you know that you put into being a band that no one in the band should ever drive so um luckily we don't have to do that anymore right. um we have you know pro drivers now and that that helps a lot um, that's a big deal absolutely everyone needs their sleep yeah. and that's how a lot of these accidents happen mm-hmm. you know a, a band member's driving and they fall asleep because they've had such a long day right so i mean those things they happen and and uh you know we definitely learned our lessons and, and all those and mm-hmm. or we'd end up in some strange neighborhoods which <laughs> oh, yeah. happened in Baltimore and you drove through Cracktown or something we totally oh we, it was I just we were just down. talking about this I just wrote about it for um for something for a magazine and um we drove through this area I think Henry was driving um through this town and there was a graveyard at the end of it and like literally the houses were a step away from this so you open the door and you see graves right in front of your house but the whole place was like a scene out of the walking dead it was like on the walls it was written like rest in peace little so-and-so and rest in peace you know Ooh. these little gang names and these were, these these were different people mm. were just walking around i swear they they just look like zombies and as the bus was going down the street and we're, i think like all of us were just petrified there were people like knocking on the sides of it trying to open the doors and i'm like Mr. As yes. we're driving by, like clinging on to oh, it, geez. and I'm like, we need to get out of here right now, and we can't even stop anywhere because these people have already cased us. Like we're done. We well, need to leave. when we were doing that, we were on the way. We were riding Take It Like a Man at that time, mm-hmm. and what we would do is on off days, we would rent a rehearsal space in the different city we're at. We'd set up our shit and write the album. And we were on our way to write the album, which was not far away from that little Walking Dead area. And so we just said, we scrapped it that day. We're like, no, nope, no, nope, they already know. Yeah. 
those people like had nothing at all to lose right and it doesn't matter That's what happens so scary when, when you mm-hmm. get the, we were uh we got to mention flat tires we got a flat tire i'm gonna say somewhere in south carolina something like that a, mm-hmm. a, a state west virginia whatever mountain town guy comes up old hills guy talks basically hills of eyes steps up <laughs> Old guy talks to us for a while. What are you guys doing? What do you got in there? What are you a rock and roll band? Oh, it's a trailer full of stuff. He leaves. Another car pulls up. Okay, we had just put the tire on, and we're like, just go, just go, just go. The two girls in the front seat with bikini tops on, and like, what are you guys doing? So we're leaving. Drive, 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 drive away. And there's a guy in the back seat, lying down, holding a shotgun. As wow. we drove away, we saw that because you're on the bus looking no. down. They were pulling up to steal all our shit yeah. and steal the bus and do whatever. And you know what? And what's going to happen if you don't want to do it? They'll just kill you. Yeah. And that's like, and this is not, yeah. you know, this Jeez. is the real world. Yes. You know what I mean? So these are things that really go on. Wow. That, yeah. but that would be that's absolutely crazy. terrifying. Yeah. Just like, well, the same thing that you guys went through, you know, yeah. but you, you mentioned how you were doing the take it like a man record, which is your newest record. Mm-hmm. It's big, big success. Uh, first week, I think we were talking yesterday, but I think I, I, I think I Googled it. it was like 9,000 or something, which is a great, great first week in this day and age, mm-hmm. especially for your band, which had doubled from the last or tripled from the last. Yeah. Tripled almost. Right. Yeah. Interesting title though. I like the, the kind of the double entendre. On that. <laughs> what was your mindset behind it? Well, it's not, it, it's not a gender based thing to be honest uh, for us. It was, it's the term, mm-hmm. take it like a man, it, it, finding your inner fight. Um, you know, there's several moments in all of our lives, um, where we had to basically stand back and fight for our lives, fight for ourselves, fight for what we believe in. And we had to, like Carla likes to say, buckle up our boots and take it like a man. And, you know, for us, there's a lot of personal stuff on this album, a lot of deep emotional things, moments in our lives where we had to, like, again, mm-hmm. get like a man. and Which is great because it's not the literal meaning. It's just the actual concept of taking taking your licks and making mm-hmm. it making yeah. it work. Right? And, and, you know, it's, just, it's a term. It's a term that's been around for a long time. And, and for us, it was it was so perfect. It came from the song Dead Man Walking on the album where the lyrics are, where were you when I learned to take it like a man? Where were you when I learned to stand? And that's where it came from. And, and I think that that explains a lot of different emotions that we've had in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl and I grew up in different areas, went through very different things, but we had the same emotional, um, I don't even want to say baggage, but experiences and uh, emotional experiences, but different physical experiences. And and for us, it just it fits so well, and it it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a, a term of fighting for yourself. And it was it, as soon as we thought of it, it was like barn. It's always that's cool it. when you get the album title. Like that's it. Yeah, that's the phrase right there. As soon as it as soon as it was brought up, I mean, everyone's like, okay, come up with a couple other ones, and you brainstorm. But that more. was always the one. We came up with some other ones that just just for filler. Mm-hmm. You know, to tell them, okay, fine, here's a couple more. But we knew in our hearts that that was the only title that was going to fly. That's one that fit kind of everything we mm-hmm. were, were talking about on the record. My favorite Butcher Baby song is from that. It's uh, Monster's Ball. Oh, thank and you. the video is, is amazing. Now, I know you guys are both, especially Carla, your artists. And all this. Did you do the makeup 
on that? No, or? we have a friend who's been with us since the beginning. Um, his name is Tony. He used to be our prop master. He used to do all of our blood. He made us a blood squirting base that would not stop squirting blood one night. <laughs> no matter what. He, he filled tape, an entire club with blood. He would tape those legendary knives on. Yeah, he was so good. And he's he's got a full-time job here in California, so he can never tour with us. But we wish he could because he's an amazing person, an amazing friend. And he brought his crew of makeup people from Not Scary Farm over to do that stuff. And um, it was such a great day because we had all of our friends who had been with us since the beginning come to be a part of the video and get their makeup on and they all had such a great little cameo in the video you saw everybody's monster face it was really I mean, every cool single person you see in that video we're all friends okay and and friends from the beginning of everything and so it was really fun yeah. to just spend a day in hollywood and who had the zipper done. face? That was me. That was good. I like that one. <laughs> I found it on. Zip. Yeah, I, I found something like that online. I went through and I researched so many different makeup things, sent them to the artist and like make some of the monsters look like this. Some of the monsters look like that. But that one, I was so dead set on having for myself. Yeah, I had a pair. Of, I had a pair of boots that had the perfect zipper, so mm-hmm. I had to sacrifice the boots for the zipper. <laughs> hey, <come laughs> and that on. zipper's duh. What I used, so, of course. Yeah, I, that was my. That was my dream to have that. And you kind of expanded vocally as well, not so always screaming, but some more singing. Right. We did. In fact, so that's, I think one of the songs that is on the album, Thrown Away, that has the most singing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's like complete singing, no, no screaming at all. And it's just a beautiful song. It was almost a song that we didn't end up putting on the record but it was there's something really special about it you know henry had this beautiful guitar part and you know i said one day i'm like you know what save let's save it i have something really cool in mind for the verse she had something great for the chorus and we just threw it together and it ended up being something that was really haunting and really special and i I feel like when we recorded it we've all just kind of got goosebumps and like this is really different but it's really good and we actually played that song live on this last tour you know in the middle of all the hardcore stuff and these kids in the audience they'd be crying and you just see them singing and it was singing so so powerful it's it's you need that in a show though it can't just be yeah. punch 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 to kind of give it a little bit of a breath in the middle of the set that's, yeah. that's great i mean festivals here and there yeah we'll go out for the 30 45 minutes and just kick everyone in the nuts but mm. when it comes to uh, you know a, a show that's ours and we have a little bit of a t- of time to do these different things we really want to because these are emotional songs that we connect with on a completely obviously different level but and then the kids come in and they bring their own interpretation mm-hmm. like everyone does with music and it's 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 incredible on this album we had an idea we wanted to go in we wanted to make it heavier more live songs but another thing too is we we were very honest and some of these songs called for you know, clean singing and not so not as much screaming but some of that was on Goliath too, but, but but that's the natural evolution. Yeah, when you're, uh, you know, we were talking about Cookie Monster vocals. We're talking about like like M Shadows, how they went from the screaming chord to actually just singing, mm-hmm. or even Phil Anselmo with you know Pantera when he started talking with Cemetery Gates and Hollow and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You need to do that as a singer, I think, because it just gives you more. Um, shades to paint with as an artist it's very our music is very diverse as it is we don't limit ourselves to anything Mm -hmm. you know we don't say hey we are a metal core neo thrash band no for us it's we're just a metal band and then you know we'll 
do a ballad here and there. We don't really care. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> we're not be. we're not going to limit ourselves. We're just going to go out and make mu- as much music as we can, as long well, as it will allow does. us. Right, right. <laughs> but let's talk about something. Like, talk about the artists uh, being uh, musicians, being artists, but also you guys, actor Heidi and Carla's an artist as well, probably acting as well. Tell us about some of that stuff that you did before you came out here, and I want to hear about uh, the mortician side of things. And I also want to hear about, about your about your acting stuff and some oh, of the stuff you did because I mean, there was some doubling and all that sort of stuff as oh, well. Oh, it did do that. Yeah, I was yeah. a stunt double for My Name Is Earl for a season for Jamie, uh, who I saw about a month ago. And she's still hot. Yeah, of course she's hot. Yeah, she's, she'll always like, be hot. Super hot, right? Um, but I was actually a radio DJ for seven years. I did, okay, I did mornings um, in. Utah I did it for LA five or? years in Utah and two years here. Okay. Yeah, I, that's what I moved to LA for initially. Actually, I always loved music. I always did music, but um, you know, back in the day where I'm supposed to be realistic, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I I was a radio DJ. I did mornings there, and then what, um, what was your radio name? Just Heidi. Oh, because there's <laughs> Heidi and Frank in the morning out here. It's not the same Heidi. No, no, this is no. Not the same well, girl. I I I did Playboy Radio on Sirius oh, okay. Satellite, which when you think about Playboy Radio, it sounds you know like it no, would be legit. very uh, racy. But mm-hmm. the morning show wasn't racy. Yeah. F- f- so much. There were certain things here and there that I wouldn't do. I've done it before. Yeah. So uh, I did that for a couple of years, and then um, when I left that, I went to a hip hop station in L.A. and let me tell you that was bizarre i don't know a thing way. or two about hip-hop um i was in compton on the weekends doing live <laughs> remotes at driving an escalade through compton yeah, uh, boy. little blonde girl like you guys want to play some football you know <laughs> <laughs> luckily i had some other crew there with me but um it just it just didn't work you know janet jackson came into the studio one day and i don't really know a thing about any of these people i didn't know anything about but the music I mean, you got no janet <gasps> right but i was just like Yay! <laughs> you know? So, w- were you doing interviews with with them, or I did I did the weekends on the hip hop station. Did you do an interview with Janet? I did not. I okay. was just there for did it. Did you say I was, hi to her? Well, I met her. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> we had to, oh, it was so funny. We had to decorate the entire studio with pink fabric. Really? Yeah. It was. That it, was her request. Up, yeah, it ended up being really cute. But <laughs> I want to get that big where I can tell the radio station what kind of decor I want when yeah. I show up for the interview. Well, Please. then the radio station went under and I decided to pursue, pursue music instead. And I did acting for years. When I was 11 years old, I think I did my first commercial. So what it, commercials did you do? I did like new skin and all sorts of different kind of things. Uh, TV shows. My dad works in the film industry. So okay. he, he started throwing me in that stuff at a young age. And, and I did it to make extra money here while I was you know, trying to pursue Being a starving music. musician, yeah. And um, and it worked. But you got that. That's all part of being a, a showman, showwoman, mm-hmm. whatever, is having that on on camera experience, the stage experience, the acting experience. Yeah. I and saw when you jumped off the the uh, one of your rises with a broom. Looked like you. Were- <laughs> <laughs> There's a great picture. I think I came somebody took it, like uh, Scott Yoshida or something. Yeah, we look like you're flying on a broom. Yeah, I, like, I love that one. <laughs> that, yes, people do. That's actually, how she travels all. The yeah, time. that's right. That made it easier. You're in a bus. I'm on a you're broom. You're on the broom, but either yeah, way, you're out of that damn motorhome. But how about you, Carla? I mean, you do so much stuff. You know, I think creative people just you know feel the need to keep doing creative stuff, and you know, I moved to LA when I was just a kid to you know just. 
I think I was 18 or 19 when I drove my car across the country because I wanted to be a rock star. The classic story. But, um, you know, the kind of, you go, you go through a lot of other things in LA. You know, I worked for Playboy for a little while as a TV host, which I absolutely hated. And um, I did acting jobs here and there. And then I went to school to be a mortician, um, which I, I love doing because after being in, in a world of, a playboy where it's very one dimensional. <laughs> I got a chance to help people. To say the least. One on one. Yeah, to say the least. Hey. But I got to help people again and How are you, you know um, I mean planning funerals, helping gotcha. people to start their grieving process. Um even if I'm, I was just embalming, um I feel like it's a very special experience with with the you know, the okay, corpse, with the body. I, I feel like there has to be a special kind of person to do that. Someone that you know is not gonna abuse that body or be unkind or uh, while they're doing Okay, I've been doing this show for for a couple years, and you're the first mortician I've had on. So, can you please explain what are you doing when you're embalming somebody? It's it's a pretty simple process. It's just you. So you have the arteries and veins, and so when you embalm, you're basically replacing the blood that goes through your circulatory system with embalming fluid, and it flows out the same way that blood goes through your tissues, and it makes it's makes your tissue stick. Are you sucking the blood out and as you're putting as, the yeah, fluid in? Yeah, as you're putting in? the fluid straw. in. Yeah. yeah, with the straw. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Duh>. Dinner. Yes. <laughs> you, you're um, taking out the blood through the vein and injecting through the artery. So the problem is that, you know, people are so unhealthy that they're, you have to know every single artery and corresponding vein in the body because wow. sometimes you have to embalm through different areas to make sure that you get every spot. Because if you leave a friggin' toe unembalmed, that thing will stink up a funeral. <laughs> so Wow. So it's it's actually it's, it's a pretty fascinating thing, and um, if a body's been autopsied, you have to open it back up and do powder from the inside. So do powder, what does that mean? Um, it's like a powder form of formaldehyde that you pour inside the body, and so just a make lot sure of that things. Nothing, I mean, that nothing starts to yeah, rot. everything has to be disinfected, and so that there's wow. no smells. And it's a really I've always loved science since I was a kid. I was fascinated with the human body. I was fascinated with death and dying in the body processes. So. For, for me, it was a great experience to do it. Um, I liked embalming, but I found more so that I loved working with the families and, and really just one-on-one helping people. Because if you don't have someone really special helping you start your grieving process, you can get stuck and really kind of well, yeah. dwell in it. It's a really hard so, time. It's a, it's a sensitive time, right? Yeah, and a lot, of people, a lot of people are so afraid of their own mortality that they don't want to reach out to someone that they know just lost somebody. They don't mm. want to say... Well, hey, just talk to me. And the best thing to do is really to let people who are grieving just talk and not mm. say, I know how you feel or, or, oh, God wanted their little angel back, yeah, you know, or all place, that kind or, yeah. of stuff. It's like, it's like, no, you know, just let them talk. Let them talk about the person. Let them, you know, say what they need to say. And um, I just, I think it's a very important career. And I think that it takes a very special kind of person to do it, a very empathetic person. I also worked in hospice, and so I helped people who were, you know, you seen both sides dying. of the coin, yeah. Um, so it's just, it was a very special thing, and I, I will always take it with me my what, whole what life. What about the eye, the eyes, eyeballs? Do you leave the eyes in it if you take the... Put the Why would you take the eyes out? I don't know. Do they <laughs> rot? I mean, I don't know. You close the eyes. Okay. Yeah, you close the eyes, but you, there's no taking, there's stealing. No there's one. no stealing of the eyeballs. This sounds like the beginning of a terrible horror movie. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Right, where oh this, this the knife creepy. How many times it's the, knife the knife thing. Here's this the start of the creepy mortician broad steals all the eyes. Yeah, oh, we just, them out. We just That's <laughs> the opening scene horrifying. for the knife thing. That's yes. it. It's it's a, it's our production. So, so how about 
about from a from a musical standpoint? Where did you guys come from as far as influences besides Wendy O. Williams and the Plasmatics? Very different. Yeah. Everyone in our band is very different. Uh, we all have a vast. <laughs> I mean, I I come from a new metal world. Slipknot, Corn. I love Limp Bizkit. Like though that kind of music to me was what really got me into but, yeah. metal. Um, for Henry, he's more of that experimental with Meshuga, periphery, math those, metal, math metal, if you will. <laughs> um, and then Jason, our bass player, he's a death metal kid, ride or die. Mm-hmm. And Chris, our drummer, is hardcore. You know, uh, just all the hardcore music, and and um, then Carla. So um, I think the first band I ever heard was Guns N' Roses, the first rock and roll band, and I liked it, you know. You and Talina uh, watched them. You and Talina yes, me and Talina. Talina's our mutual. We, we have we have <laughs> matching strange tattoos on our foot that we oh. got at like four o'clock in the morning okay. somewhere, yeah. and mine is screwed up because it has a. <laughs> it makes me so mad. It has a capital E and a capital S, so it's S strange. <laughs> I'm like, I, oh no, I and it drives strange. me crazy. I want to. I want to cut my friggin' foot off. Yes, but anyways, right. that's how that's how I. Anyways, it's just so a funny G- story. Yeah. But I, I I heard Guns N' Roses and it made me love rock and roll. And from there, you know, I went into I found thrash metal. You know, I was a very misfit kid, and and all the kids that listened to thrash metal, I just felt like I belonged with them. And so, you know, I heard some old school Metallica when I was a kid. I think Shortest Straw was the first Metallica mm-hmm. song I ever heard. And then I heard Anthrax and Slayer, and then I heard Pantera and was all over. I was like, I knew that that's what I wanted to sound like when I you know had a band. So. But I, we, you know, we, I have, we both are also the kind of people that are very well-rounded and we, yes, when we're absolutely. getting ready for a show, we'll listen to, you know, we'll listen to rap, you know, listen to R&B. Um, I love, um, you know, nineties girl power music. I love, oh, you know, we'll have 90s and, nights yeah. <laughs> after the show. Babes and 70s, I love like, uh, like, uh, um, like cool in the gang funk and stuff. Yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, for all of us, we have very many different, uh, inspirations. I actually, was very inspired by Gwen, Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. I mean, just her stage presence, just amazing. Her different, hooks, her melodies, yeah, yeah, and her style, everything. But what we did is it, what makes Butcher Babies different is we put all of those things into one big melting pot and created something different. And that's where you know you you can't really pin out pinpoint one major influence for Butcher Babies. Have you ever been? Um like kind of nervous when you met somebody that like at a festival or maybe you've toured with somebody that you kind of dug. It's always the most random people for me personally. Like, cause it'll be like, there'll be tons of big rock stars around. Like last night there was a ton of rock stars. We all went to the yeah. Lemmy party Lemmy's and party. all my, all, you know, when I was a kid, you know, there's slash, there's Duff, there's Lemmy. And uh, who else was there? Oh, Lars was there. Lars everybody. Was there, yeah. But it was, Charlie it's was people there, that, that like uh, like we were in a parking lot at Download Festival. It was our first Download Festival, and I saw the singer from Anti Nowhere League, which is a smaller band mm-hmm. that people know. But I lost my shit and I ran over and I was like, "Oh my god, you're!" And, and he's like, "Yes." And now you've walked in my piss, and because he was actually peeing, I was so excited to see him. I didn't realize that he had just been. Peeing Isn't that the there band that did so, so what? Yes. Yes, yeah, so you were walking in yes, his piss. So was, what? Yes. Yeah, so what? So what? You boring little. <laughs> but it's people like that that I get excited over. I think we fangirled over um, uh, Ice T's wife, Coco, yeah, Coco, when we oh. saw her at Hellfest. We had and- a tech. We were like, "All right, if you see her, you know, or if I see her, we text each other Coco alert, and we're there." And she's all Coco alert lunchroom. I'm like, ah! and <laughs> ran landed. over. We had yeah. to get a picture with Coco. I think. I think for us, it's, it's like it's that. But 
when I first met Corey Taylor, because like as as Carla said about Phil and Salma, that's how she wanted to sound. When I first heard Corey Taylor, I wanted to be him. That mm. was what I wanted to be. I want that that pissed off, you know. Stop. You yeah. fuck your faith or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, that that's what I wanted. And so when I first met Corey, I was like, "Hi," and had to just like quickly, quickly walk away. For the most part, though, I never really get that way because I my my dad told me many years ago, and I said he works in the movie industry, so we were always around different people. And he told me a long, long time ago. He said. Everybody shits in the morning. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone's just the same, but but have, meeting someone who uh, gave me that much inspiration as a kid, yeah. still, to this day, it was a little nerve-wracking. Now, I, I'm a little, I have my cool together a little bit more around him, but <laughs> it's still a little like, Ooh. But that's, that's the thing, like, for me, like, for example, like, Paul Stanley was one of my biggest influences, and over the last year, couple, whatever, became kind of friends and actually then became good friends. The thing is, once you break down that wall of, oh my God, it's so-and-so, you realize that we're all kind of on the same boat. We're all on the road. Yeah. We all have pretty cool jobs where you don't have to conform to, you know, if you want to have mm-hmm. orange hair or, you know, blue hair or whatever it is, you can do it. And it's just like, we're all the same that mm-hmm. took a chance to go out and do something that no one said you could do. Yep. And then once once you realize that, Everyone's pretty cool, yeah. yeah. You know, which I always, I always get a, a real cool sense out of that when you find that. It, which is, everyone just is one big family, and that's one thing that I didn't really expect mm-hmm. going into this, but I'm so grateful for. And you know, even all the the girls in this metal world, all of us have really bonded together and we created there's a more girls and more. club. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as it as it turns out, you know, we go on these tours, and you, as you know, you you create a family. Yeah, and it's always at the festivals a big. Re- union and everyone's it's just it's like high school but not as shitty (laughs) (laughs) but it must be kind of cool like we're talking about kind of uh there's a real i'm not going to say resurgence but a real strong presence of 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 girls in in heavy Mm -hmm. rock now within this moment you guys just tour with them Mm -hmm. or hailstorm or there's a great band in england that we tour with called dirty youth there's another band in canada called sumo psycho all have Mm -hmm. female front singers female front singers female front (laughs) female front females yeah but i mean that's that must be kind of cool for you guys too it's like wow there's 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 a whole bunch of us well when we first started um six six years ago uh there weren't that many Mm -hmm. and you know if there were there weren't very many getting a lot of making waves and maria was out there kicking ass and lizzie was but uh as were a couple here and there but they weren't as prevalent as they are now and now when we all meet up it's like a pat on the back like oh it's so nice to either meet you or see you again people think that us girls would be catty with each <laughs> yeah. other and it'd be like cheerleaders fighting but it's not there's such a love and such a respect for each other and there's an empowerment and really all of us are doing something different um, yeah. right now every every one of these bands that we just mentioned all have their own little flavor so that's true it's not competition yeah you know it's 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 pretty cool to see everybody being successful mm-hmm were you a cheerleader in high school? And college and for the NBA. The reason why I say that is because you've mentioned it twice. No, I know. And catty. Yeah, I, just... I get it because I was a cheerleader and uh, they are very catty. I really? Because it, uh, it was a sport and I was a power tumbler and a track athlete. So for me, that was... It, is that it why you're so catty? Yeah. <laughs> just tell her attitude. Meow. Jeez Louise. And I do talk like a cheerleader. I noticed when I listen back. When I did radio, I didn't... I feel like I didn't have that 
chicken head voice, but now when I listen back to... <laughs> but that was Playboy Radio, so you're probably being a little more sexy. No, I did Hi, mornings in Salt Lake for five years on a legit station, <laughs> you know? So for me, I I listen back now, and I'm like, oh my God, I sound like a chicken head cheerleader. No, hey, <laughs> no, you all... No, but I did. I did it professionally, and I loved for it. For NBA? For what team? Jazz. Utah, Utah Jazz. jazz. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what does that entail? Like, you don't get paid to do that, do you? To be a cheerleader, you do, but not a lot. Okay. Yeah, you just go out there and I was Experience on the stunt. And- I was on the stunt team. You think of like Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders go out there and dance. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't a dancer. I was a stunt one, like the one they throw up in the air and you do a bunch of flips and stuff. Okay. So I was on the stunt team. So that's how it was for me. For me, it was a sport in that sense. And, and there's a but lot. Sure, of- there's a lot of athleticism. Yeah, and. um I was a track athlete before that since I was like seven. I had competed in the Junior Olympics but broke my back in college. <laughs> How'd you break your back? Pole vaulting. So what? F- yeah, so after after the whole recovery <laughs> process, well, first I was Hold a second. How do you break your back pole vaulting? Did you land right in the middle of the pole of the, and just like kind of hang there? It was a stress fracture that just ended up breaking okay. after time. There were, wow. There are different things in track that aren't really good for your back. but mm-hmm. um, Pole vaulting obviously it, being one of them. Yeah. You said, I think I must have just been doing things wrong. But um, after I broke my back and the recovery process happened, I could still cheer. I just couldn't do track as well. I wasn't as good of a high jumper. I was a high jumper. Like That's what my main thing was in the Junior Olympics was high jump. Mm. And, and even though I'm short. <laughs> but um, so... I used those jumps and converted it into being, you know, a and fun, that's how you can really jump off the riser and ride a broom. Yes, that's part of that. That's <laughs> yeah. the cheerleading. That jumping, is that is the. Tell us a little bit about you about your artwork, Carla. I see. I follow you on Instagram, which is how yeah. you're real I, friends you know, with someone th- nowadays. I you think, do amazing stuff. I think that um, you know a lot of metalheads are actually artists as well. I know when I was a kid, that's all I cared about was art and in metal and I would sit in my room and I would draw out what the songs meant to me and make like little comic books out of these songs you know these old uh, from the old thrash metal bands and everything Uh, like hollow I did a whole thing for hollow I remember that that was my favorite one Um, out of that song I did a lot of Pantera stuff comic book version the comic book version of all these songs I wish I still had them but my parents I think threw away everything I got to go home and and search everything but I would do all the old you know old Metallica songs and and um, Orion was, was always my favorite Metallica song ever, and I made up a, a whole character for this song. And Interesting, I used to, it's an but instrumental. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just so weird that it's the only song that has no lyrics, and I yeah. love it. But um, I always grew up drawing, and I stopped drawing for a long time because I spent some time in art school, and they just beat the joy out of creating for me. So, um, you know, years and years went by, and I picked up a pencil again, like maybe like few years back and I was like I want to start doing this again and I couldn't stop and it's been so great to have that release you know not only do I have it through music now but I have it through art and um great too especially when you're on the road yeah so much downtime just sitting around yeah it's great and then I started posting some of my stuff and I was really shy about it at first I'm like I don't you know if I want people to see this and then the you know the fans were responding really well so I started to sell prints of my stuff and um, oh, your it, characters have really big boobs. I love boobs. I've always liked boobs <laughs> since I was a kid. I've had a thing. Even when I was a kid, I would always draw women with giant boobs and very <laughs> sexual things. I don't. I guess I was a screwed up kid. I don't know. I was gonna say me too. <laughs> All I cared about was boobies. sex, sex boobies. and death. It's just like two circles and a stick figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, the that's ultimate woman, version. right? Yeah. Dead, dead girls in coffins. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's great to be able to, like I said, you know, get that release drawing, and it's it's been. Um, 
very successful for me. That's so. cool. On the road during our downtime, you, you know, or before show or right after, you'll come on the bus and Carl will be drawing and I'll be sewing. Yeah. Oh, you sew? <laughs> yeah. Do you make your stage Arts here? and crafts. No, no I, I do like, do I make like, like custom shoes and shirts and stuff. Oh, like blankets or? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I don't knit sweaters. <laughs> Can you <laughs> give me some gloves, please? <laughs> yeah, just give me some gloves. Yeah, but it's funny. You know, most people are like, you know, you go in and they're just like, Oh, partying party time yeah. and we're, she's drawing and I'm sewing. <laughs> yeah. that's that's how it is now yeah we just did a tour in England with Nonpoint and those guys were in bed at like 11 o'clock at night which is great when you're bus sharing but it's like is there anybody up to do anything so it's just me <laughs> Delina and Jack our guitar tech yeah. listen to Ozzy you yeah. know? so you mentioned 2016 you guys are on the road the whole year already booked Oh, we have, I think oh, most of the year booked. We know what we're, f- we're for sure doing for the first, you know, few months. We're going out on tour with Cradle of Filth okay. um, January through um, it's March. It's another good mix. Yeah, you know, the cool thing about our band is that we've been able to tour with so many different kinds of band. Um, Cradle of Filth is the first black metal band I think mm-hmm. we've toured with. But, really but uh, it's it's great that we can fit in with so many different it's kinds choir, of it's music. Manson. It's in this moment. It's, it's Cradle, yeah. Cradle of Filth. It's yeah. great. And, you know, and then... There's a lot of stuff lined up. Uh, obviously, it hasn't been announced Secrets. yet. Well, you know how that is. Yes, exactly. You just wait. I accidentally did that one. I leaked something some once upon a time. And did you get yelled at? <laughs> I feared for my life. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to spending a lot of time out. Yeah. You know, pounding the pavement with "Take It Like a Man." Yeah, we're really sure. proud of that album. So it's uh, we want Doing everyone to hear tr- it. Truck stop showers and everything. Yep. What's Our your favorite. favorite? Last question. What's your favorite song to play live? Gosh, I, I think that I mean I love my favorite song off the new album to play live is the Butcher. I just I love I love that song, um, but I think of all time I think Jesus needs more babies for his war machine because the kids just go crazy think, for that song. Yeah, my, me too. They know it's time to crowd surf during that song, and so they do every night, and it's 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 insane the it amount of kids we get to crowd party. surf. It's yeah. it, like it, it, people just go insane. It's a great title too. Yeah, it's yeah. a fun song. That's one of the it's first. It's a feel songs good song. Ever. Yeah, Jesus needs my baby first warm. It's a fun song. It's, it's a fun <laughs> it's feel great. good hit of the summer. <laughs> that was one of the first songs we wrote. It's on our very first EP, and it's just it lives in the set. We can't take it out. You know how there's, there's just those that you just away. can't take yeah. out. I don't want to. I love it. Off the new album, I would say I really, really enjoy playing Monsters Ball. That cool. is, it is it's fun. fun. It's such a quirky song. Yeah, yeah, it's very quirky. Good hooks, good singing, That's and you can do. You can jump on your broom. Yes, and my broom just lives right there. <laughs> Anytime I need to fly. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Great conversation with the Butcher Babies. Their tour starts Tuesday night in Philly. They're touring with Cradle of Filth. It's a great double bill. If you want to see a great rock show, go to butcherbabiesofficial.com and you can find out all the dates and ticket information. Also, if you want to uh, go check out Carla's art and her uh, books, she just released her third annual sketchbook, Gash 3. It's full of the art that she draws while she's on the road. She also just premiered her Soul Sucka comic book series and her first full-length novel, Death and Other Dances, is all available at carlaharvey.bigcartel.com. Go check that out. She's a very talented girl, great artist, um, a great writer as well. And also, you need to go hear the new Butcher Babies record, Take It Like a Man. You can get that on Amazon. And you know what to do. You know the drill. Support the Butcher Babies. Support Talk is Jericho via the Amazon links. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button at the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, and Canada, A. 
Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. You can buy just about anything on Amazon. I just bought a microwave on Amazon, okay? It's true. And using the TIJ Amazon links, they won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. Once again, go to podcastone.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. And my sponsors are there too. You got easy access to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and the new DDP Yoga Now app to... Uh, uh, there's TrueCar, there's DraftKings.com. Use my promo code Y2J and play for free with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. And I got one more thing to tell you about. It's a personal request from uh, Shine and Sierra, my, my twin daughters. They have their own YouTube channel. It's called CC and Shy Vlogs and Videos. CC, that's S-I-S-I and Shy, C-H-E-Y, Vlogs and Videos. Go over there and check them out. The uh, 10 Things to Do to Make a Sleepover Awesome was very, very cute and funny. And also the Bean Boozled Challenge. Have you played this game where you uh, eat good jelly beans and eat crappy ones? Well, I'm in that one. And they got me to eat uh, skunk-flavored jelly bean. I almost puked. So uh, go check it out. CC and Shy Vlogs and Videos. And uh, check out the 60-second AP News headline, which is coming up next. So uh, that's about it. Got all all wrapped up, man. I'm, I appreciate you guys. You know I love you. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. What more do you need? We'll see you on Friday. A big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 